So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space 102FM, which is a Common Sea Inspirations production. And that's been produced here in our Common Sea studio here in Ada. And it's the fourth Sunday of Easter. It's the 25th of April. And my name is Jan Keeley, and it's a delight for me to welcome and join me this morning, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. How are we keeping? We're good. Thanks a lot, Shane. And also, we want to especially welcome those listeners uh, who are housebound, lonely these days. And we do meet them. I, I meet them very regularly now out there who listen to us, especially on our 10 a.m. Sunday slot these days. Uh, of course, people would know at this stage we do, um, we do broadcast at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning and also 11 p.m. But the 10 a.m. slot is, is getting a pretty wide audience these days because, of course, we do broadcast Mass from Abbeyfield Parish. Um, but on the evening slot at 11 p.m., we have our usual Sacred Space 1 or 2 FM program that we've had for the last 12 or 13 years now at this stage, where we, which we're going to do now at the moment, we're going to go through Science for the Week, and we have something lined up for Part 2, and then we have the Gospel for the Week. So... We thank you for staying with us, supporting us. Supporting us in terms of prayer, because that's most important. And thank you so much indeed for that. Any of our programs are available to be heard on a podcast, which is Come and See Inspirations at buzzspread.com. Or you can, uh, you can get us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, and other platforms. In more recent times, we have... Um, we have put our presence on Facebook. If you just Google Come and See Inspirations or on Facebook, search for Come and See Inspirations, you'll find us there. And what we attempt to do there is to make our presence known in terms of there's some people who would like to hear uh, specific programs going back quite some time on certain, to- certain topics. So at the weekend, on a Sunday, we, we post uh, the current program up on Facebook. And during the week, we pick something from our archives uh, something to maybe remind people of somebody we'd have, we would have had in the program maybe 10 years ago, maybe 9 years ago, or maybe just a few years ago. If you want to contact us, then please do so. Uh, our text number is 087-6088-667. That's 087-6088-667. Or email, come and see inspirations at gmail.com. I'll just give you that number again, 087-6088-667. Or email, come and see inspirations gmail.com and thanks again indeed as I say for your support especially your 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 prayer support and, and do contact us and do and do let us know if there's if there's items you'd like us to, to chat about or maybe there's people you know who have a faith interest and um, that, that, would, that would come on the program and maybe share some of their faith with us to encourage us all on our journey in faith these days but Shane's going to do some of that now because uh, one of the topics that we speak about, or that we speak on each week, are saints for the week. And you've got some following, Shane, so what have you got to share with us this mm. week, please? So this week, saints of the week. So folks, folks, excuse me, we are in the fourth week of Easter. I was about to say Advent. No, we're in the fourth week of Easter. So for those of us praying the Psalter, we're on week four. And how is the chocolate marathon going? I know in one house that I'm familiar with, there is still quite a number of Easter eggs left, which they're slowly but slowly plowing their way through. They're being rationed out, you see, because they're for children. So if you give them too much shocker, it's like, you know, woof, drugged the system. So yeah, they're being, they're being slowly rationed. Um, so... As I said, for those of us praying the Psalter, we're on week four this week. Now, a couple of interesting ones in terms of the saints on this week's calendar. So, first things up, on Monday, the 26th, we have the feast day of Our Lady of Good Counsel. 
Now, I could go on and on about this. It's it's an image associated with a church in Italy, uh, in in a town called Genazano, I think it is, is how it's pronounced. And it's... um, the, the, the Church of Santa Maria in that particular town. But actually, to make this one a bit more closer to home for people, um, it revolves around a particular image of Our Lady which is associated with this particular town. But for Limerick people, you will know it as one of the three or four particular shrines to Our Lady that is in the city centre. And it is the shrine to Our Lady of Good Counsel, which is in the Augustinian Church. So if you go in the door and you're looking at the altar and you go up and you pass up Padre Pio and the Child of Prague and Monica and Augustine, and straight in front of you is the is the crowned image of Our Lady of Good Counsel, which is very popular. Up there, of course, there's one of the popular uh, shrines to Our Lady in Limerick City up there with Our Lady of Perpetual Help in Mount St. Alphonsus, Our Lady of Limerick at the Dominican Church, and Our Lady Help of Christian outside in Milford. But anyway, so that's the feast day of Our Lady of Good Counsel on Monday. Uh, Tuesday the 27th on the Irish calendar is the feast day of a guy called St. Asicus, I think is how you pronounce it. It's associated with the Diocese of Elphin. Um, he was supposed to be a very gifted metal worker, particularly coppersmith and a silversmith, and a disciple of St. Patrick. And he was supposed to have led, um, the, or he's, you know, led, looked after the diocese after Patrick handed it over to him, so to speak, when he founded it. And he is said to have died of natural causes in 490 AD. Now, the interesting thing about this was, um, this is one of those early Irish saints who actually was officially confirmed by one of the popes. So I think we've said that before on the program, John, a lot of the Irish saints have never actually gone through the formal canonization process, which was set up around the year 1100, give or take. So this guy was actually formally, the cultus was confirmed, so it was given official recognition by Pope Leo XIII in 1902. So then on Wednesday the 28th, now this one's an interesting one, um, it is the feast day for those of particularly of devotion to the rosary because it is the feast day of St. Louis-Marie de Montfort, um, the priest very much associated with the devotion to the, promoting the devotion to the rosary and also the creation to Mary. Um, he was born in 1673 in Brittany in France, he died in 1716 also in France. He was canonized by Pope Pius XII in 1947. Very much associated, of course, is the total consecration of the Blessed Virgin Mary, which he promoted. He propagated this in his day by preaching. And, of course, that famous book, which has never been out of print since his death, which is True Devotion to Mary. It also happens to be the feast day of St. Peter Chanel, who died in 1841, and is honoured as one of the first martyrs of the church in Oceania, which to you and me, John, basically translates as the Pacific so then on Thursday, now Thursday is a heavy hitter. It is the feast day of St. Catherine of Siena, doctor of the church, patron of Europe, and an all-round fairly rough and tumble woman that didn't take, didn't take, um, didn't take, you wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of her, let me put it. She was the youngest of 24 children. Her father was a wool dyer, obviously associated very much with the city of Siena in Italy. Um, she said to have had a vision of Jesus at the age of seven, and she consecrated him at that stage. She defied her parents' marriage plans when she turned 12. She became a Dominican tertiary at the age of 15, and she is very much associated, uh, her visions very much driving her to be involved with public life. She was a counselor and correspondent to a number of popes, um, and in, including those at the time were living in Avignon in France, and she encouraged 
uh, the popes to move the papacy back from Avignon to Rome. And it's, she was proclaimed a doctor of the church in 1917. And tradition also holds that she was a stigmatist, as in she received the wounds of Christ. And it's an interesting one. She's, um, she's buried in the Dominican church of Santa Maria Sopra in Minerva in Rome. And uh, she was canonized by Pope Pius II in 1461. So it's, she's an interesting one. Uh, definitely, if you're reading her story of her life, it's, 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 quite, it's quite an interesting one. A very strong woman. A lot of her letters still come down to us uh, to the present day. And uh, particularly the letters to the popes, I tell you this much, you wouldn't want to be um, of a delicate constitution, shall we say. She didn't basically, she didn't cut her, she didn't, she didn't, she didn't hold back, basically telling him, man up and get back to Rome. Um, so then on Friday, the 30th of April, we have the feast day of St. Pius V. Pius V was a pope uh, elected to the pontiff, elected pontiff in 1566. He died in 1572. Uh, believed to have died actually of renal disorder caused by kidney stones. So for those of you that suffer from kidney stones, he might be a man that you could seek his intercession from. Uh, the pope very much associated with facing the task of implementing the reforms of the Council of Trent after, um, you know, during after the Reformation. Um, very much involved with new seminaries, the new breviary, the Missal and the new catechism which were published. The Missal was the one that effectively was the mass up until uh, the Second Vatican Council in 1962. Um, very much associated with working with the poor in Italy, in, in Rome. And uh, he was also very much involved being, of course, a, as Pope, involved with the Papal States and trying to lead political opposition and military opposition to the invasion by the Turks into Europe when he died in 1572. Uh, then finally, of course, next Saturday is the 1st of May. It's kind of a case of where did the month of May, April go? And obviously, the 1st of May in the liturgical calendar is the solemnity. Sorry. It is a feast day. It's not a solemnity. It's the feast day of St. Joseph the Worker, uh, instituted by Pope Pius XII in 1955 and proposes the example and intercession of St. Joseph as a worker and patron of workers. And at the time, of course, when the feast day was instituted by the Pope, it was very much as a counterbalance to the focus on May Day, particularly by Soviet Russia. Um, on this date, many countries celebrate the dignity of human labor. And this is kind of giving us the example within the church's teaching and tradition of those that strive to work and the dignity that all people have and the right to work that they have. Obviously, of course, in the year that's in us, because this is a year of St. Joseph, many places will have particular devotions to him at this particular time. And it is one of the days set aside in the letter from the Supreme Pontiff where you can obtain a plenary, in, a partial or a plenary indulgence uh, for the usual um, procedures, which obviously are slightly restricted at the moment because of the restriction on masses. Mm. So that's what we have, John, in terms of Saints of the Week. Just two questions on the Saints. Yeah. Easy ones, you know. What's the difference between a feast day and a solemnity? Okay, there are rankings. So generally, solemnities ah. have to do with the Lord's the celebration of the Lord. So Christmas is a solemnity and, say, Easter is a solemnity. But certain feast days, certain days throughout the year are, are given that extra classification of ranking. 
So you go Solemnity, Feast Day, Memorial. So that's the kind of the three categories okay, in, okay. Dis- in descending order. Easy one, next one, last one. A doctor of the church. What's a doctor of the church? Yes. Now, this is something which we might come back to. I've been thinking about this actually for a while. So there are 33, 34 doctors of the church. There are only, I think, four women doctors of the church, all of which proclaimed in the 20th century, including Catherine of Siena, Teresa Benedict of the Cross, Teresa of Lisieux. These are people who, and generally they are also saints, whose writings are held up and which have come down to us across the centuries and whose writings are held up as particular sources of consolation, theological formation, uh, inspiration for us in the Christian life. Um, generally, you, you had the Greek doctors and you had the, you had the Latin doctors like Augustine and John Chrysostom. And ultimately, we've ended up, I think, there's about, I think there's around 34 of them. It's interesting, actually, for those that are interested, um, there is a series being done. I think it's on Word on Fire at the moment. I'll double check that and let people know next week. Shane, thank you very much, Neil, for that. Uh, mind of information, but uh, a lot of people are very interested. Thank you so much indeed. Okay, this is also Vocation Sunday. And as it's Vocation Sunday, we thought it would be good to offer this prayer for vocations. And of course, vocations can be to the priesthood, religious life, but also for our daily life, our lay life. But this is specifically for uh, maybe uh, vocations to priesthood and religious life. Almighty God, you've called us through baptism to discipleship with your Son, Jesus Christ. And you've sent us to bring good news of salvation to all peoples. We pray that those whom God is calling from our community to serve him in priesthood and religious life may respond with generosity and faith, and that they may receive support, encouragement and spiritual nourishment for the seed of their vocation in their families and in the wider parish community. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. We also pray this spirit of communion prayer uh, as usual every Sunday morning, especially for those of us who can't receive Jesus sacramentally in the Eucharist. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Now it's time to go for our first bit of music. Shane, you picked a nice piece for us to start off the programme this morning, please. Yes, so today, as, as John said, is Vocation Sunday. It's also known as Good Shepherd Sunday, which people will see from the um, blah, 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 the gospel, which we'll have in part three of the program. So the first piece of music this morning is Stuart Townsend's uh, interpretation of Psalm 22, The Lord is My Shepherd. Oh, come back and join us in part two. In part two this morning, we're joined by Olive Foley. Olive, as people might know, she is the widow of um, Anthony Foley, the monster coach. Uh, she's also the ambassador to the Children's Grief Centre in Limerick. And Olive's going to join us in part two to share with us uh, their plans for revitalising that particular centre that they've got and renewing it with, um, with hopefully with our support. So join us again in part two for Olive. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want He makes me lie in pastures green He leads me by the still, still waters His goodness restores my soul And I will trust 
So welcome back again to the second part of Sacred Space 102 FM. My name is John Keeley. Thank you again for joining, for staying with us this morning. And today I'd like to welcome onto our program Olive Foley. Olive is an ambassador to the Children's Grief Centre in Limerick. Olive is the wife of the late Irish and Munster rugby legend Anthony Foley. You're very welcome to the program and thanks for joining us today, Olive. Good morning, John. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be asked uh, onto your show. Thank you. 
Now, we've spoken with uh, the founder of the Children's Grief Centre uh, in the past uh, on a number of occasions, Sister Helen, Sister Helen Culhan, who you work with. But maybe today, Olive, you might just remind some of our listeners why and when the centre was opened. The centre was opened by Sister Helen, Sister Helen Culhan, uh, with the backing of her, uh, con- her congregation, the Sisters of Mercy. It's opened about 13 years. Helen started off, she's a social worker, started off in Milford, And during her time working with the bereaved families in Milford, she saw um, and uh, she saw that there was a huge area there that the children were not being uh, that were not that needed help. They needed help um, maybe from perhaps they've had a bereavement in their family or another area that she had noticed in her work was children who have um, had loss through separation or divorce of their parents. So the centre was set up by herself. Now, over the years, the centre has grown. The first year, she'd, she was only seeing her patients or, 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 or children herself. Now we have several vol- volunteers. And it's, it's a service that has grown for a number of reasons. There's awareness out there, a lot more awareness that this children children need support, children need to be listened to. But it has now come to the stage where there's a huge waiting list. And that's, I suppose, why I'm, I'm working with her very closely now, because we have this beautiful new building that we're ready to move into, because our big problem is space. We don't have, we never, we haven't had enough space for quite a while. And that's one of the main reasons is that the, the list has grown extensively now, with over 300 children on a waiting list, waiting to, be, uh, to, to use the service. So this incredible building has been gifted to to the Children's Grief Centre from the Sisters of Mercy. It's the most beautiful building, John, you could imagine. It is uh, it was an, a building built in the late 1800s by the Redemptorists, used initially for widowed uh, women and their children. And that's ironic that I I have um, now joined uh, to work with, with Sister Helen when we think of where where this building originated from. But the building has been used for many different, uh, um, you know, it has helped orphanage, it has been an orphanage, and, and it has many, many different, uh, different uh, functions over the years. But the building is in a state of disrepair. It is this incredible building with beautiful stained glass that have all been preserved, but it needs new roof, it needs new windows, it needs electrics and plumbings and all that that goes with a new building being refurbished. So while we've been gifted the building, where we are now is we need money to refurbish this. So we have a wonderful set of architects. We have a, a project manager in Jonathan Harper and there's beautiful plans. And the planning permission has gone in and we're waiting uh, for the planning permission to come back and hopefully to start build this autumn. It sounds great to me. Uh, I mean, fair dues to you all for the enthusiasm that, that you're all showing in, in really uh, helping those people who can't help themselves, they, these poor children. Um, just the services that, just briefly, the services that are available. What sort of services are uh, services are available for these children, Olive? So the, uh, so it's it's bringing children into the centre, where they are 
helped with the support of we have a wonderful volunteer uh, team support workers that's important to mention as well that we're volunteer led sister helen is uh, she she is 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 the head of it and all volunteer led so the children then come helen will sit down with the parent with the parents and our guardians and 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 then she'll be introduced to the child and generally Helen will assess and, and the child might come back for maybe up to six sessions or maybe when that's over maybe more sessions after that depending on how the child is doing so uh, a really special really unique service one of its kind it's the only one of its kind in the country and so just thinking there now how did you become involved with all of this yourself well I was introduced to the Children's Grief Centre after my husband died. So he died in October 2016. At the time, both my children were going to the Killaloo Boys National School. And the principal at the time, he sought help from Sister Helen. And when I brought the children back to school a few weeks later, uh, he spoke to me about Sister Helen and the Children's Grief Centre and the work that they do. I was very interested. Um, I knew that the, my children, uh, they were struggling with um, their dad's death and it was a very difficult time. And as a mother, you kind of do whatever you need to do. So I was very, I was very happy to pick up the phone and ring uh, Sister Helen the same day. And so when I went in, I sat down, met her. We had a, a one, wonderful it was a wonderful meeting and it'll stay with me forever. And I knew at that point, I said, gosh, she's going to help me and my children. So both my children have used the service and they love the centre. I've always been very, very, uh, and love Sister Helen and all the workers in there. And um, so Sister Helen had a couple of years ago asked me, would I be interested? Because of course you want to give back and the greatest gift you can give somebody is to help them and give back because it's a, you know, it's volunteer led, you know, there's no charge for this service. So I said to Helen, if I, anything, I would love to help and, and give back as a lot of parents say to her, but she asked me if I'd be interested in the ambassador role. And I, and it's something that I, I thought was a bordering on outrageous, but when I when I really sat down and, and it sat with me very comfortably. So the role my role is to help bring awareness to the centre, it to help with fundraising and be a, a, and and just to highlight what we do. And I've been doing that now for a couple of years with Sister Helen. We're like a tag team and I've been enjoying I've been I've enjoyed every single second. So this is our big the big thing that we have now is to push forward and get into this new building and uh, uh, and get the get the the list of children get the numbers reduced uh, as please god we can get uh, get the ball rolling with that well done what a team now how will this benefit the children using this center now the, these new facilities this new well i suppose once we have the building up and running We'll have far more uh, 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 rooms for the children to be seen because really, John, Helen is, we've, we have great, a great team, great volunteers. It's never short of volunteers. It's brilliant. It's really, it's, it's wonderful. And if anybody ever wants to help, please just contact us. We're, we're so, we love, uh, we love when people ask, ask if they can help. 
So what it's going to do is open up the centre. The centre is going to become a bigger entity because we're going to have more room, more volunteers, more children can get in and use the service. Well done. Well done. Okay, so that gives us so that brings us really to the you know to the main reason why we asked you to come on. We in uh, West Summit One or Two, I mean, uh, when I'm speaking about we, I'm talking about the listeners. I'm sure we'd like to help you guys out. How can we do that? Oh, that's lovely, and 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 thank you for <laughs> so much and being donated and everything. I suppose we're we're looking for we're looking for um, for people to donate. We are, uh, as Helen says, if you say if you say it really quickly, how much we need, it doesn't hurt as much. So we're looking for over three three point four million is what we need. Right. Now we've already raised four and a half, four hundred over four hundred thousand ourselves already with different fundraisers and and donations. So we it's a big push that we need to get um, donors uh, to come on board with us. So um, if donors are interested to come and talk to us. Now, I know that with COVID restrictions and that, we can't quite show them around, or we could show them around virtually, for sure. Mm. But it's a lovely thing. If people want to get involved and want to help us, please contact us and show us. Um, you, can, you can go online. We have the Children's Grief Centre website, and there's a donate button there if mm. people want to go in, because um, every do, everything everything helps, it, and, and I, we really appreciate it. And we have been supportive people have been so generous and we're always grateful and um so that's what we're hoping that you'll see us through to the end and i suppose the, the other point john is the center will be will be up and running and it's it's not just for the 300 on the waiting list now it's for generations to come we won't need this 3.4 million again we it's a we just needed for now and it, it it's i think it's such a lovely lovely thing to be involved in for generations to come that this will help children for years and years and years now just before you give us the details i was just looking through your brochure there and, and just to give listeners some sort of an idea as to how they can help i was just see uh, just looking there for 50 euros you can help fund some tires or art materials uh, i know yeah even do you know 50 euro i mean that's a huge amount of money as well but <laughs> you know i know that 3.4 yes. million were in very quickly yeah but for anybody to come in, you know, to run the centre on a yearly basis, that's not our huge expense. But we still need the little donations yes. to come in from our little website, and and there and and it makes the world, uh, it, it it makes the world go round. We're not state funded; we have no funding, so we apply for a grant here and there, and we rely on donations. And and people have been very very good to us, and we just want to continue continue with that momentum, John. Oh, how can we contact you? How how can we do that? How, how can we have you got so a website? You said, mm-hmm. yeah, the Children's Grief Center www.childrensgriefcenter.com, and uh, so a lovely center. And if you go onto our website, you can see all the details of our new building, the plans, uh, see the pictures of it. It'll give you a lovely feel to what we're moving into. It's on the campus of the Mary Immaculate uh, College. So a uh, really beautiful old stone building. It'll be lovely. So the website has a donate button if they want to go down that route. Otherwise, pick up the phone, uh, uh, give us a call, and we'd love to talk to you. 061-224-627. And uh, we have an email, reception at ie. 
You know, fair dues to you. Well done indeed. Thanks a lot for all the work that you're doing really on our behalf because, I mean, there's not a lot of people who need services like your own. Not too many people volunteer, but you guys have picked up the baton and decided to go with it. I know. And, it, you know, it has been, it's a great charity and something I'm very proud of to be involved with. And Sister Helen and her team have worked tirelessly to bring it where it is today. Well done. Listen, thanks a lot for coming on. Uh, Thank you so much. You might even come on again sometime and chat to us. We'll see, we'll see where we go. It would be my pleasure. Thank maybe you when you get halfway to the, maybe one and a half million, maybe even two million, you might come on and we'll see if we can give you the extra yeah. push again. But in the meantime, what we, usually, what we usually do is to ask our guests to choose a piece of music uh, at the end of our interview. Have you got a piece of music uh, you, you, you'd like us to play and why? John, um, one of my favourite pieces is uh, Andrew Lloyd's Webber, P.A.A. Sue. It's a beautiful piece of music. It was played by, uh, it was sang for me at my husband's funeral by my own choir that I'm involved with, the Gunas here in Killaloo. And it is very, it's very special. So thank you very much, Neil, for coming on. And just to remind us again, all those details that Alev did share with us, we will be putting up on our podcast platform, which is come and see inspirations.buzzprep.com. In the meantime, best of luck with your fundraising. We might cross paths again. And take care and give our regards to Sister Helen. Thank you. God bless, John. God thank bless.
So welcome back again to the third part of Sacred Space 102 FM. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose. And this part of the program is where we always read and reflect on the Sunday Gospel. And again, thanks to Olive for sharing with us the good news about all the work that um, the, 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 the Olive and her team, uh, Sister Helen Coulhan, are doing for the children who need our support. So if we can again... Please support them if you can. But in the meantime, uh, this is the third part of the programme, as I said, where we read and reflect on the Sunday Gospel, the fourth Sunday of Easter. Before that, we'll ask Shane to share this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often capable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let our eyes be closed and our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Shane. So the Gospel for today, the first Sunday after Easter, a vocation Sunday, is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 10. Jesus said to, sorry, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd is the one who lays down his life for his sheep. The hired man, since he's not the shepherd, and the sheep do not belong to him, abandons the sheep and runs away as soon as he sees the wolf coming. And then the wolf attacks and scatters the sheep. This is because he's only a hired man and has no concern for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own. And my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for my sheep. And there are other sheep I have who are not of this fold, but these I have to lead as well. They too will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own free will, and it is in my power to lay it down. And so it is in my power to take it up again. And this is the command I have been given by my Father. The Gospel for today, Shane, from the Gospel of John, a lot in it. Yes, a lot in it, as always with John. Now, it's a strange one, of course. We kind of take a kind of sudden tangent in terms of the Easter Gospels uh, to go off on this one today. Um, but I, it links, it, it will it will make sense in the next couple of weeks when we come back into the final Gospels, the final parts of the Gospels where Jesus talks about the mandate that he gives to the disciples and to the church. And in particular, of course, to that great um, discussion that he has with Peter, feed my sheep, um, which we'll have in, in a couple of weeks' time. So the Gospel this Sunday, of course, very much focused on the image of Christ as the Good Shepherd. One of the most actually one of the most ancient and one of the most beloved titles associated with him. Uh, right back to the early days of the church, there are images in the catacombs in Rome uh, of the Good Shepherd on some of the some of the more lower down levels, and it's generally seen as being one of the more ancient titles that's given to him. Very much, of course, associated with the Middle East that, and the idea even to this day you can go into countries in the Middle East. Um, I've seen it myself um, in Lebanon, in Turkey, 
all across the Levant, right across into Central Asia, into Central Asia, you will still see shepherds out walking along with their flocks around them. And of course, the whole tradition and um, practice of them very much looking after the, the flock that's entrusted to their care. So for us, of course, this Sunday, the idea is very much linked in with that whole idea of Christ and his care and love for each of us. It's very... It's a very generous, it's a very delicate, it's a very loving image that's presented for us in terms of this relationship between God and ourselves as personified in Jesus. And the gospel very much speaks to that this Sunday, um, where Jesus is telling us that he speaks kind of, I won't say, um, I won't necessarily say it kind of possessively, but he's kind of setting out his stall very, very clearly, you know, that um, and it, it's echoing something which the Psalms are picking up, which is give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his love has no end. And that's very much the theme of the readings, I think, this weekend for people to be reflecting on. And he says, the good shepherd is one who lays down his life for his sheep. And, you know, ultimately, I suppose that is the reminder to us what Jesus has done for us as Christians in what we believe and what we profess in this in this. Easter season, but also the reminder, of course, he has laid down his life, but he laid down his life because he has also been resurrected for us. Um, and that is the promise that is given to each of us. You know, he talks about, you know, the, and, you know, he makes the point that, you know, we are his and he is ours, if you like, in one sense. Um, that, you know, the hired person, those that look after it, you know, can run away, they will not look after it. But ultimately, the shepherd is the one who very much gives his life and his soul, gives his absolute dedication to concern for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. It's an important line. It's one that we could kind of glance over very quickly is that I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. And it's an interest. It's a reminder to us that we all some way are called to respond to the love of God. And the image of the Good Shepherd is very much revolving around that whole image of the love of God. And each of us, in our own way, in our own hearts, responds to that call. And I suppose the challenge for us, the challenge for us as a Christian community, is to be open to the ways that people understand that call and also how they respond to it. You know, as a faith community, the challenge is to to respond within the Christian community, within the community of the church. But the reality and the, re the recognition has to be that sometimes that response can be in way that can manifest its ways in ways that we may not necessarily understand, but that we are reminded by the teachings of the Second Vatican Council that all of us, all humanity, will respond to that call of God. So we need to be very careful before we turn around and say that it can only be done in one particular way. Um, you know, and that's that's something I would say. You know, and. I would encourage particularly parents and grandparents that are worried about children and the faith and, and that type of thing. You know, it's just to be to be to be open, to be willing to see what way people interpret and understand and respond to faith in ways that would be quite different to something that maybe you or I, who might be more traditional in that regard, would be. But at this, you know, um, and and just to be conscious of that as well. The second thing, of course, then we get is that I know the Father and I lay down my life for my sheep. You know, and that's the thing that we remember, that that's the ultimate sign that's there, that's given there for us, is that Christ has laid, has laid down his life for us. Now, it's an interesting one. There are other sheep I have, and they are not of this fold. Now, I have to say myself, I've struggled with that particular line in terms of trying to understand what it means. Um, 
And it's very much, of course, it's something which we have to pray and reflect on from the point of ecumenism. That is, um, discussions and openness to other Christian denominations. And also from a point of view of interreligious dialogue, which is discussions and conversations with other religions. And also, again, echoing very much the council documents, the, count, the documents of the Second Vatican Council, where those that respond and live in a moral life are in some ways responding to the calls of the Holy Spirit in their particular lives. So something for us to be very conscious of as we reflect on this Sunday's Gospel. Then there's this whole particular section where he talks about listening to the voice of the Lord. There'll be only one flock and one shepherd. And we're all listening and responding to that one voice. And I suppose that's the one thing that particularly we need to think about from an ecumenism point of view. It's not something we cover very often on the program. We've done it once or twice. It's not something we discuss very often in terms of our church and our faith. But ultimately, there is a responsibility on each of us to answer to the prayer of Christ that all would be one. Um, which is, you know, that there will be only one flock. And that is something which, you know, often, I suppose it's something that's seen to happen at the level of the bishops or the pope or the archbishop of Canterbury or something like that. And sometimes we don't think about what does it mean for me in terms of knowing and respecting and living with other Christians uh, in our communities. Finally, we get to that last part of that, that great message of the Sunday's Gospel. The Father loves me because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own free will. And as it is in my power to lay it down, so it is in my power to take it up again. And this is the command I have been given by my Father. So very much, you know, a reminder to us that the events of Holy Week was very much something that Jesus was praying and living and responding to the, the call of his Father to what he had to do. And obviously, of course, given the day that's in it, John, because today, of course, is Vocation Sunday, the question obviously arises how that is to be lived out very much in the ministerial priesthood and the religious life. Now, one of the things I suppose that's often the case is there's very much a focus on all of our baptismal calling as each and each, each and every one of us is baptized and we are each baptized into the great priesthood of all believers. Uh, we are all prophet, priest and king from our, from our baptism and our anointing as children. But on this particular Sunday, the church kind of turns to the people of God and it says to them, you really, we really need to think about calling and encouraging those who have to stand at the altar in persona Christi. Because at the end of the day, I suppose we are a Eucharistic church. We are a sacramental incarnational church. That's what we believe. That's what we profess. And if anything we have learned over the last 12 months in particular is how it feels not to have access to the sacraments. And in this case, it's because of the corona, uh, the COVID restrictions. But of course, for many people around the world, many Catholics around the world, this is their normal circumstance. This is what their existence, this is what their experience of faith was long before COVID-19. And in one thing I would have said to us as a Catholic church in Ireland, as practicing Christians, this period of fasting from the sacraments and from the liturgy, public liturgy, hopefully will inculcate a there's a greater desire, a respect, a reverence, a love for that which we have missed. And that, that, for me, I think is one of the great challenges that's there for us as a praying community. But getting back to the, the thing about Vocation Sunday, the challenge, of course, is to encourage and bring up those that will respond to the call, will you serve the people of God in his, as his priest? 
And that is what is prayed, put before us to pray for today. We all have baptismal calling, but we do need priests. And priests do not grow under cabbages. They do not, they do not sit in the drawer of the bishop's office. You know, he doesn't wave a magic wand and they don't appear. Vocations and vocations to the religious life come from families, come from communities. It is our responsibilities as much as each and every one of us are for to encourage, to encourage and encourage people to consider a vocation to the religious life and to priesthood because without them, we will not have our Eucharistic church. And that is the challenge that is there before us. It is the responsibility of each and every Christian to encourage us, to promote us, to pray for us. And I think that's very much what's linked in with this Sunday, the response that we need shepherds for the people of God, not shepherds like we knew before where it was a case of pray and pay and obey, but those that will lead the community, pray with the community, suffer with the community, walk with the community. That's what we're looking for in terms of our priests, and that's what we pray for particularly on this Vocation Sunday. Shane, thank you very much indeed for sharing those thoughts. A lot there for us to, to take on board. And of course, if people want to listen back again to that, uh, come and see inspirations.buzzspread.com. You can listen back to those, to those thoughts and indeed all of our programme. Just one or two little thoughts that I just share with the listeners that, that uh, spoke to me this morning. The very first, uh, the very first line, "I am the good shepherd." The first word spoken by Jesus in today's gospel. A person looking after sheep. That's what a, that's what a shepherd is, taking care of their needs for the food and protection from attackers, who would be about to hurt them or kill them. Even if this puts the shepherd in harm's way, and so the sheep follow the shepherd having confidence that they'll be safe. Jesus also mentions, though, of course, the other type of shepherd, the man who is hired and is really not a shepherd, just looking after himself, doing a job, runs away when any problems arise. And so it is the thought that came to me, in my life, I have a choice. I can follow Jesus, the good shepherd, or I can ignore Jesus and follow other shepherds who really are not too concerned about myself, where I go and how I end up. They're really just concerned about themselves. The more I drift away from Jesus, the more unprotected I become by following the lifestyles and priorities that will not support me when difficulties arise, because all these guys will have gone and left me high and dry. So I suppose my final thought today is I want to thank God for all the people who have been my shepherds in my life. That's past and present. And that by their example, I too can shepherd those put in my past. That's my family, my friends, those people who I meet. I made, maybe the last point, and Father Frank just reminded us of this when he sent around his notes this week. We are one of the sheep of Jesus. Jesus is our shepherd. Let's not forget that. Let's thank God for the opportunity that we have to be able to have that gift of faith, and that's what it is, a gift of faith, uh, to be able to follow Jesus and for the strength to be able to continue to follow him in whichever way he leads us. That's my few little thoughts in any way, Shane. Uh, it brings us to the end of the program, actually. Thanks a lot for your, for your, for your time and for sharing those thoughts with us. Um, final piece of music. I think you've got another one for us, Shane, please. Yeah, I thought it was a, is an appropriate one to go out on. It is um, Shepherd Me, O God, and it's performed by Vince Ambrosetti, and he's not a family member, in case anyone asks. <laughs> Thanks a lot for that, Shane. So to next week, when I believe we're going to be speaking with the pioneers next week. Well, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, the way the way the way plans go these days. But anyway, in the exactly. meantime, thanks a lot indeed, listeners, for for staying with us. Enjoy the week. Take care, and we'll speak to you again next week. God bless you all now. Bye. Bye.
Sacred Space, 